Genesis chapter 13. Let, let me ask you, how many of you coming into this new year, you want 2020 to be amazing? How many of you want to serve God better than you ever have? How many of you don't want to repeat mistakes that you made in 2019? You don't want to disappoint God in ways that you did in 2019. You want to be a better servant. You want to be a better disciple. You want to be a better Christian. You want things to be better in your life in 2020 than they've ever been. You want to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. You want to grow in His Word. You want to grow in His study. You want to grow in His faith. You want to grow in His fullness. You want to grow in His strength. You want God to become the main thing in your life. How many of you want that for 2020? How many of you know what the definition of foolishness is? To continue to do the same thing over and over, expecting different results. You want things to be different. You've got to change. You want some things to be better. You want to grow closer to the Lord. You've got to do some things different than the way you did them. You don't want to make some of the mistakes you made. You've got to stay away from some of the places you went to, some of the people you hung around. You want things to be different. You've got to change some things. You can't just keep coasting along on cruise control the way you've been doing it and expect to become this mighty tool in the hand of God. You've got to be willing to surrender some things. Amen? We've been talking for the past five Sunday mornings about you. We, we've looked at God made you to be you. He made you with a specific purpose. God designed you, created you, put you here for a specific reason. He made you different than anyone else because God made you to be you. We looked at the fact that God made you to be His. God loves you and God desires a close, personal, one-on-one -on -one relationship with everybody in this building. In the first week, we looked here in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, and verse number 5, where God said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. So what we can clearly see from what God said through to the prophet there is that none of us are accidents. None of us are mistakes. None of us got here by any accidental reason. We are here because God had a design purpose. God had an ordained set apart reason for your life before he ever designed you and put you here. Last week we were back in Jeremiah. We looked at chapter 29 and verse 11 where God said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God gave Jeremiah instructions. Jeremiah followed the instructions. That's the plan. God has a plan, but it involves you and I following the plan in order to be what God put us here to be. So this morning as we begin the new year, I want to look in the book of beginnings. I want to look here in the 13th chapter. And just like Jeremiah, God gives Abram some instructions here. And Abram follows the instructions, beginning in verse number 14. It says, The Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward and southward, and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, until thy seed forever. I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land, and the length of it, and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent. And came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, built an altar there, built there an altar unto the Lord. God, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the two-edged sword. Thank you for the challenge. Thank you for the teaching. Thank you for the changing. Thank you for the way it shapes us. I pray this morning you'd take your word. I pray you'd chip off rough edges, God. I pray you'd mold us and make us into the image you'd have us to be like clay in the hand of the potter, God. I pray you'd shape us this morning. I pray you'd help us to walk out of here with a new energy, God. I pray you'd help us to walk out with a new level of commitment, God. I pray you'd help us to walk out better service than what we were when we walked in this door, God. We love you with everything in us. We just want to be pleasing to you, God. We want to be found in a place called the center of your perfect will, God. I pray today you'd move some stuff aside, move some things out of the way. I pray you'd help each one of us see the perfect will for our life and help us to learn to live in that place, God. We thank you, we trust you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look at a message this morning entitled 2020, No Matter What. At some point in your life, you got to decide, I'm going to serve God no matter what. When you think of 2020, what's the first thing you typically think of? Vision. I, I get we're in 2020 in the year, and there, I think there, there used to be that show, 2020, but the reality is most of the time, somebody says 2020, the first thing you think about is perfect vision. Wouldn't it be awesome to have a perfect vision of what God wants you to do in 2020? Wouldn't it be awesome to have a perfect vision? vision of what God expects out of you wouldn't it be awesome to have a perfect vision of exactly what God wants you to do you know what would be more awesome than having a perfect vision of what God wants you to do to be doers of the word and not hearers only the only thing better than knowing the vision is fulfilling the vision when you look back at 2019 did you do everything that God wanted you to do did God give anybody any instructions? Are there some things that you should have completed? Should you have read your Bible through in a year? Should you have done a better prayer study habit? Should you have been at prayer meetings? Is there anything that you know that God told you to do last year that you did not complete? Were you everything that God wanted you to be? Were you fulfilling the plan that God had for you to be? Or are there some things that you wished you would have done differently? When December of 2020 gets here, Lord willing, if Jesus tarries and doesn't come get us, when December of 2020 gets here, will you look back with regrets? Or will you look back at this year as the one where I grew more in Christ than any other year of my life? That decision lies in you and you alone. It doesn't lie in this church. It doesn't lie in the deacons of this church. It doesn't lie in the choir of this church. It doesn't lie in the preacher of this church. Nor does it lie in the hands of God. God's waiting on you. We're not waiting on God. So whether or not we grow this year in Christ is strictly up to us. We will make those choices. We're the ones that will make the decisions. Will we follow God or will we say no to the things that God has in our life? So for the past few weeks, we've been looking at what a great creation you are, about how God designed you. God obviously put a lot of thought into you. He thought you through. He didn't just whip something up. He already had this plan, so obviously God put a lot of preparation time into you to know what spot you would fill throughout this section of time. And God put you where you are for such a time as this. You are an ordained reason in the hand of God. And he put you here because he loves you. God created you. And if that wasn't enough, God purchased us so that we could fulfill what he called us to be because of that little sin separation deal. Amen. So God has purchased our soul. He's, he's bought us back. And we looked at the fact that God gives us a plan for our lives, but he does not give us the plan all at one time. 
Twice I've used the illustration of a puzzle, and I've told you God does not give you a puzzle that has the whole picture of your life on it so that you can see what everything looks like. God hands you one piece of the puzzle of your life one day at a time, and your job on this day is to find out where does that piece go so that God works through us every single day, works in us every single day, so that at the end of the day when we look back and we put the last piece of the puzzle in on the last day of our life, that puzzle looks like Jesus. That's what he's working on in us. God is teaching us how to walk with him on a daily basis, not giving us the whole picture that I'll catch up with you at the end. God is teaching us to learn how to trust him in a daily walk, trust him in everything that we do, seek his will, seek his guidance in everything in our life. God is simply teaching us faith. We have to learn to live our life by faith. Second letter to the church at Corinth, the Apostle Paul wrote in chapter 5, verse number 5, Now he that wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of spirit. Therefore we're always confident, knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord, Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. There is a judgment day coming for Christians. Every one of us will stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and we will be tried based on the things we did, or based on the things that we did not do. In today's world, we live in this undisciplined, microwave society. Undisciplined because nobody tells us what to do, right? You want to ruffle somebody's feathers, just tell them, man, ain't nobody tell me. You don't tell me, I tell you. No, nobody wants to be told what to do in today's world. We live in a very undisciplined society. Microwave because we want everything our way, and we want it now. That's the society that we live in. Now, it would be nice to blame that on you younger guys. It would be nice to talk about things are newer and how things have come along. It would be nice if we could blame it on the millennials or if we could blame it on the Gen Zs, the up-and-coming generation. But to be honest, that's not their fault at all. You guys inherited that from us. 1974, hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special order, don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Have it your way at where? It's nothing new. 1974, we wanted it our way. We wanted it our way then. We wanted it our way now. We live in this microwave society. The concept of waiting is something that we just never really liked. Amen. We, we don't like sitting in a drive-thru. I thought those things were designed to save us time. Why do I spend so much time in them? We got apps that you can order ahead before you ever get there. It's supposed to be ready. They're two lines wide. You got 15 people out there taking orders on pad, and we're still waiting 15 minutes to get through a drive-thru. What's the deal? I, I thought it was supposed to be to, to help us out. All it tells me is apparently we're eating too much and too often. We, we hate to sit in traffic. We, for that matter, we, we hate waiting on almost anything. Free 
delivery. That, that's what you look for when you go online, amen? You, you go on website and what you see is fast, free delivery in bold letters. You know why? Because I know that's the number one way to get you to buy your stuff from them. Fast, free delivery. It's a selling feature. Now, maybe everybody's not in this department this morning. Maybe you're not in a hurry. Maybe it doesn't bother you to wait. If that's you, you can catch up on Facebook, do a little crocheting. Take a little nap. Before you go to sleep, though, I want you to hear this. If you're one of those, you ain't never in a hurry and you don't mind waiting and it doesn't bother you to just put around and get in everybody else's way, do me a favor. When you see those of us who are in a hurry coming behind you, get out of the way. <laughs> just, just move over. It, it'll, it'll, it'll save. We're going to pass you anyway. So you might well just, see, even the preacher agrees. Just, just, just move over. Somebody asked me one time, how much time do, do you think you can save? I mean, if you're just going to Home Depot now, what can you save? Five minutes? Yes, 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 and yes, five minutes. I can save five minutes there, I can save five minutes back. I can save eight minutes to the hospital and eight minutes back. I can save three minutes to Walmart and three minutes back. At the end of the day, by the time I've been to town and back, I saved an hour. That's 365 hours a year that I save. If you divide that by 12, the number of hours a day, that's over 30 days of my life that I'm not going to be sitting in a car like you are. Five minutes means a lot. Everything's in a hurry. That's just the society that we're in. We don't even have time to wait on coffee in the morning. How many of you have a curry rig? If you don't have a curry rig, how many of you have a coffee with a timer so you make it at night when you get up in the morning and it's sitting there hot, ready, and waiting on you? Man, we're in a minority. I thought everybody would have had that. Oh, that means you have to make it at night. We, we don't like waiting on anything. We hate red lights. Anybody like a red light? Who came up with those foolish things? Those are the most unfair things on the planet. Because all five people that I passed trying to get to that crazy thing, they only catch people that are in a hurry. Y'all ever notice that? So that all the people that wasn't in a hurry get to catch back up with you. What difference did it make? They ain't in a hurry, no way. It ought to be red lights. It ought to be mandatory for people that are in a hurry. ought to be able to stop, and if nothing's coming, you ought to be able to go. I hurried up and got there, and I'm ready to hurry up and get through it. Bottom line, we just we don't like waiting on stuff. We're always in a hurry. I know everybody's not like me. But unfortunately, a lot of people are. But, but can I just go ahead and plug something in right there? God is not the least bit worried about my impatience. My impatience does not persuade God one bit because God ain't on my time. I'm on his. And I have to remind myself, not that it helps me a lot, that God may give me this red light to keep me from getting a ticket right over this hill. God, God might have got me behind these two slow poles driving under the speed limit side by side in the same lane and there's nowhere in the grass for me to get by them and he put them there just to keep me out of a wreck two miles up the road you just never know what God's doing I know he must be working on me because that stuff still irks me I still got a lot of work to do amen Psalms 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. God gives us one day at a time to teach us how to walk by faith. One of the reasons that 
Many times we stay in like a holding pattern, if you will. We find we're in a spot, we're in a spot in our walk with the Lord, we're in a spot in our faith and kind of like a, a holding pattern. But the reason we stay in that holding pattern is because we've not finished doing what God's already told us to do. Can, can I plug in right here? God does not skip steps. You can't get to the next step until you've completed the last thing that he gave you to do. Many people, they're not ready to take on a new year. Because they've not completed the things that God gave them to do last year. They, they left things out. They, they've skipped over things. You can't get the next piece to your puzzle until you've put this one into place where it goes. Isaiah chapter 28 says in verse number 9, Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them a precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Psalms 119, longest chapter in all the Bible, says in the 103rd verse, How sweet are the words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Line upon line, precept upon precept. That means God is only going to reveal the next step to you after you've completed the last step that he gave you to do. Here's another problem that we face. You may not understand the step. That's not your business. Your business is just to take the step. God's not going to show you everything, just like he's not going to show you the whole picture of the puzzle for your life. He's not going to show you everything so that you understand it because then you wouldn't have to walk by faith. As long as you're walking, God's blessings and God's instructions will keep on coming. As long as you're walking by faith, God's direction for the next step will keep on coming. I've said this before, but this is a good place, so I'll just go ahead and say it again. Even God cannot guide a vessel that is not moving. You've got to do what God told you to do. You say, well, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, I don't feel like God has given me... Anything else to do? It's okay to raise your hand. How many say, I, I'm not sure what I'm even supposed to do right now. I don't know. God has not given me a next step. I don't feel like I have a next step. I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. See, this isn't about the people around you. Don't worry about their mind. It's when you and God. You, you want to get some things figured out. You want to be in the center of God's perfect will for your life. You say, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, how about this question? How many people could say, I know for a fact at some point in my life, it may be at different times, but I know for a fact that in my life, God has given me some things to do. God has directed me. God has given me paths. God has told me some things. I know for a fact that in my life, God has given me some things to do. Have you completed it? Have you finished what you know God gave you to do? See, if you can say, I don't feel like God has given me anything else to do. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do now. Let, let me ask you this question. Think about this for a minute. 
What is the last thing that you know God told you to do? You're thinking? What is the last thing that you know God gave you to do? I can help you right here. If God hasn't given you anything else to do, you go back to the last thing that you know God told you to do, and you finish that. You go back to the last thing, to the last place, what God told you to do, and you stay there until God tells you to go somewhere else. Because God's not finished with you there yet. If you fulfill what God wants you to do, God will send you to the next step, and the next step will be up. It will not be a horizontal plane. It will not be a step down. But when God is finished with you, so if you don't feel like God's given you anything else, quit begging for something else to do. Go back to the last thing he told you to do and do it right. Amen. You may not can move forward in 2020 until you go back and finish something from 2019. One of the reasons that many times we don't want to do what God told us to do, we, we choose not to move forward is because we're not sure what the outcome is going to be. God, I see what you're saying. I, I, I see what you're telling me to do. But I just don't know how all this is going to work out. I just, I just don't know how things will be. So we just stay where we're at. When the children of Israel <coughs> came to the Red Sea, they were in a situation. They had a Red Sea in front of them. They had two sheer cliffs on either side. And the valley coming behind them had Pharaoh's army coming to kill them. God looked at Moses and he said, use what you have. You don't need anything else. Take the rod that is in thy hand and hold it up over the Red Sea. And he took what he had and he held it up. God gave a command. He did the command. That's all that was necessary. Now, God at that point took one hand and he held back the Egyptian army. And he took the other hand and he made a breeze blow so that the Red Sea separated itself. Now, at that point, their only job is to walk across on dry land. And you got to put yourself in their shoes for a minute. This is a pretty scary situation. They've already seen all the lice and the frogs and all the plagues and the death of the firstborn. They've already seen all that stuff back in Egypt. God's brought them to here. This, this ocean, this sea has always been here. And it was there yesterday. And now you got to walk across it. Now, if anybody knows, this ain't like jumping over a creek. This is a sea. they got a long way to go. Y'all get that, right? <laughs> now, if this is like any tide of any sea, the tide comes back in before you get to the other side, you're going to drown. I don't, I, mean, I don't know how it was. Did, did God part it? Was there a shore over here and a shore over here, and they walked on this dry ground? Or was it like the old movie, The Ten Commandments? You had a wall of water on this side, I and mean, it's like being at SeaWorld or, or up at Georgia Aquarium, you know? you got this giant wall of water. You can see the fish swimming around in it. I don't know what it was like, but I do know this. That would have been a scary situation. And, and they had to decide, God said go this way. It's not like you got any good choices. you got the sheer vertical wall, and you got Pharaoh back there that you know is pretty ticked off at you because his son just died, and he really wants to kill you. So it's not like they got a lot of good choices. But you know a lot of times when we really don't have good choices, we still choose not to do what God wants us to do. We find ourselves in bad situations, and we stay in those bad situations and figure as bad as it is, it probably ain't no worse, so we just don't move because we just don't know what the outcome is going to be. 
But if anybody had stayed here to wait until they got to the other side to make sure of what the outcome was going to be, to make sure it was okay, they would have died right here. They, they would have never gotten to the other side. Forty years later, 40 years later, that whole generation dies because of their lack of faith. Now their children are standing at the Jordan River, and God told Joshua, you tell the priests to take the Ark of the Covenant and step into the water. They had to take the Ark of the Covenant. <coughs> they had to step into the running, flowing water of the flooded Jordan River. It said it was at the flood stage, and they had to step into the water. Now they didn't know what was going to happen. You understand that, right? They could not see the outcome. They could not see the result. They had no idea of what's about to take place. The only way they could find out what God had in store was to step over into the water. Once they began doing what God told them to do, then they began to see how things were going to work out. You think about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. You think they knew how that was going to work out? They had no way of knowing that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was standing in that fire waiting on them. They had no way of knowing what God was planning on doing in them, what God was planning on doing with them, what God was planning on doing for them. All they knew is that everybody before them that was thrown into that fire burned to death. They had no way of seeing the outcome, but here's what they said. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee. We know that our God is able. We know that our God is able to deliver us even out of the burning, fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't. They said, I can't see the outcome. I, I know this is the direction. This is probably where I'm finished to go. I can't see what's going to come out of this. But I'm going to follow God no matter what. That's the place that we've got to get to. No matter what. It is by faith. Faith does not move forward based on what it sees. Faith does not move forward once the end result has been established. Faith simply moves forward when God says move. If you and I truly are Christians, then we have to be willing to do what God says do without wavering. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that they were first called Christians at Antioch. That was not a compliment. They didn't come up with some great name to pat them on the back. They were making fun of them. The name Christ means the Christ one, or to be Christ-like. It is one who is like Christ. Listen, when somebody calls you a Christian, you ought to wear that proudly. <clears throat> one who is like Christ. They didn't make that. They made that name to make fun of them. That, that was because these people went around walking in the way. They went around walking, acting like Christ, loving others like Christ, telling other people about Christ. They call them that to make fun of them. A lot of times, Christians don't want to look like a Christian because they're worried about somebody's going to make fun of them. They're worried about somebody's going to call them Christian, which is Christ-like. You ought to smile all the way home if somebody has the audacity to call you a Christian. But too many times, people are worried about somebody's going to make fun or laugh at them if they're one of those Christ-like people. Jesus said, they laughed at me. They made fun of me. They mocked me. Don't be surprised. They're going to do the same thing to you. What we need to decide in 2020 is do we want to be true Christians or do we want to be Sunday morning pretenders? Do we just want to come in here for an hour and a half every seventh day and be a poser? Hard question for the first of the year, ain't it? And you know what? It's a fair enough question. Starting out the new year, if we were to ask ourselves right now, Maybe somebody at your school, somebody at your workplace, 
somebody that sees you all during the week. They don't know anything about your church. They don't know anything about your church life. It's obviously the best friend, somebody close. It's somebody that just sees you on a daily basis. They, they see you from a distance. They, they watch the way you live. Could they accuse you of being a Christian? They don't know about church. They don't know anything about you. They just see the way you live. They hear the way you talk. They, they see you from a distance, from the side, Monday through Friday. Could they accuse you of being a Christian? I read a thing one time. I'm sure all of you read it. It probably said, if you were accused in a court of law of being a Christian, you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Let me ask you this. Why are you at church this morning? Why did you get up and come to church? I mean, it's Sunday morning, right? What else do you do on Sunday morning? I, it's the first Sunday of the new year, you know. I just want to get the year started off right. I mean, why, why did you get up and come to church on a Sunday morning? Are you here because you want to be more like Christ? Are you here because you want to be a better disciple of Christ? It may be because you know you made some mistakes last year. You know you said some things you wish you could take back last year. You, you know you thought some thoughts that you wish would have never entered your mind last year. You know you hurt some people that you would give anything if you could take that moment back. And God could have thrown you away. But he didn't. God forgave you for all of it. And he brought you to here. God washed away all your mistakes. God cleansed you from everything in your past. He could have taken you out, but he chose to wash you clean. And so you just came here this morning because you just want to praise him some. Have you? You just came here this morning because I just want to give God thanks for all the many blessings of 2019. I just want to let God know how much I praise him. I want to let God know how much I love him. I want to let God know how much he means to me. I just want to praise him some. Did you? We're still here. Have you done what you come to church to do? Why did you come to church on a Sunday morning? Is it to be more like Christ? Why are we here? Well, if you want to be more like Christ, it's not really rocket science. You get up every morning and you thank the Lord for another day. You spend some time in prayer and you go open up his book. And you say, Lord, I've been talking to you for a while about my life, about my day, about my family, about my dogs and my cats and, and everything that's going on. I've been talking to you about my job. I've been talking about my money, actually the lack of my money. God, I've been talking, but God, now it's time. I want you to talk to me a little while. And, and to take his word out and begin to read it. You have to do those things every day. Now, this is where I'm going to go ahead and kill off the service and finish what I've done. You, you need to come to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. If you read the book, he says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is, all the more so as to see the day approaching. How can you completely omit the word of God? How can you completely take what he says and write it off and pay it no attention and expect God to bless you? God said go to church. You can't get closer to God by deliberately disobeying what he's already told you to do. We're going to take the next 13 weeks and we're going to do this discipleship course. 
We're going to learn some things together. Pastor Brandon, I, I believe, will do a better job. We talked about it. He talked through this before, and he talked about some things that he learned. So my option is I could take it, and I could teach it and learn some things, or I could take what he's already learned and let God bless us through it. I choose to let him teach it and bless us through it. Now, for the next 13 weeks on Sunday night, we're going to go through this book, and it's going to give you things to do Monday through Saturday. It's going to give you scriptures to read. It's going to give you things to fill out. What, you know what it's going to do? It's going to create a better study habit for you. It's going to create a better reading habit for you. It's going to begin to develop some new nature, some new habits. It's going to make you a better disciple in Jesus Christ. That's what it's designed to do. Now, here's the real question. Will you be here? The whole purpose is to try to be a better disciple. And we've already established that all of us want to be a better disciple in 2020 than we were in 2019. So the question is, will you be here? Remember, we established what foolishness is. To continue to do the same thing over and over, expecting different results. If you want something different, you've got to change some things. You've got to do some things differently. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for you to do some things. But in order to get to the next step, you've got to complete the last one. You've got to be what God wants you to be now. When we get to December 2020, I ask you, when you get there, would you look back with regrets? Will 2020 be the year that you grow more in Christ than you ever have? Or when you get to the end of this year, will it be just another year? That's all up to you. Nobody else can decide that. Nobody else can. <clears throat> let, let me... Y'all don't mind, I just give you a personal illustration of what God did to me. Can I do that? I usually just use myself because I'm enough bad illustrations all by myself, so I don't need yours. So, God told me, this was after several weeks of the Sunday school argument that y'all know about at 3.30 in the morning every day. And I finally surrendered, so I'll do whatever you want me to do. And before you know it, God put me teaching Sunday school. Me, a Sunday school teacher. But then, after a little bit of teaching, God says, I want you to go to Bible college. For what? God, can I remind you, I have a job. And I know you might have been paying attention, but I got an awful lot of bills. I bought a lot of stuff that I owe a lot of money for. I don't have time to go to Bible college. God said, that's what they make online courses for. I said, God... I don't have time for an online course. I leave the house at 5 or 5.30 in the morning. Sometimes I barely get home in time to take a shower and leave. We work all the time. I have to do the paperwork and get it all done. I have to study for Sunday school lessons. God, I don't have time. And God said, you make time for what you want to make time for. Sometimes I don't feel like he's fair in things. I said, well, God, I, 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 I'm just a Sunday school teacher. Why don't I need Bible college? I had no idea what was a few years down the road. I had no idea what God had in store. I had no idea what God had planned. I'm just a Sunday school teacher. Why would I possibly need to go to Bible college? God said, you will never learn all about me that you need to know. I said, but God, <laughs> that's four years if you just want a bachelor of science degree. Seven years for a doctorate minimum. That's pouring everything into it. 
God, I don't, for four years, you want me to put in for four years? And here's what he put. In four years from now, if you are still alive, you will still be Donald Gancy. Here's your question. Will you be Donald Gancy with four years of learning, four years of knowledge, four years of study, four years of reading, four years of growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you be four years of Donald Gancy further? Will you be four years with a degree? In seven years, will you be seven years in with a doctorate? Or will you still be the same Donald Gancy you are right now? That's what's going to answer your question in 2020, December. Are you going to be who you are right now? Or are you going to be more for God in December? And that is going to be determined by what you do in the next 12 months. God help us. The same is true for everybody in this place. We pray God use us. Do we pray that? God help us. God use this church to reach that community. Help us to reach a lost and dying world. Use us to make a difference in this town. Do we pray that? Do we pray that? Am I the only one who prays that? Do we pray that? Do you want God to use you? Do you want God to use this church to reach that town? Do you want God to use this church to reach a lost and dying world so that some people that are on their way to hell will end up sitting beside us at the marriage supper of the Lamb because they saw Christ in us and Christ through us and they accepted Christ because of what they saw in us? Do we want people to see Christ in us? then we're going to have to grow. We're going to have to be a usable vessel. If you really want God to use you this year, if you really want to make a difference for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you really want to grow closer to God, and you really want to be a better disciple in 2020, here in just a minute, we're, we're going to gather around this room. We're going to make a circle right here. And if you get in this circle, you're going to surrender everything to God. See, in our text, God told Abram, he said, look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. All that you can see, I will give it to you. Go and walk the land. Walk the length of it and the breadth of it. And the Bible says that Abram took up his tent and he went and he did what God told him to do. That was the plan. It's just like our plan. The plan is there. God has territories expanded to your north and to your south and to your east and to your west that God plans to give you that you might reach the lost all around you. But in order for the plan to be fulfilled, you and I have to do what God wants us to do. See, if, if you want to do anything for God, are you with me? If you want to do anything for God, you must first surrender everything to God. Because you can't do anything for God until you have surrendered to God. Do we trust the Lord enough to gather in a circle and say, Lord, here I am. I'm going to follow you 
no matter what. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to go where you tell me to go. I'm going to be everything that you want me to be. I'm not worried about the result. I'm not worried about how all this works out. I'm not worried about if somebody makes fun of me at the end of the day. I'm not worried if I fall on my face. It doesn't matter to me if I fall on my face serving you. I know you're the one that's holding me up and picking me up. Do we trust the Lord enough to say, I surrender everything to you? I want 2020 to be a year like it ain't ever been. When I get to the end of this year, I want to be closer to you than I've ever been. I want to walk hand in hand. I want to be a better servant, a better Christian, a better child of God than I've ever been. And the only way to do that is surrender, surrender yourself to him. Are you willing? Could I have everybody stand up? Go ahead and stand where you are this morning. Balcony, I want you guys to come on down. I want everybody that is willing to surrender everything to be in a circle. Go ahead and start making a circle around this building. Listen, I... I I just, I'd be just as real as I need to be. If you don't want to surrender, you say, that's not going to be me, you're dismissed. If you get in this circle, this is to surrender to God. Say, I, I, I don't want to play church. I don't want faith to play church. God didn't send me here to play church. God hasn't called me to play church. God didn't call you to play church. God has called you to be a child of God. God has called you with a plan, with a purpose for your life. 